1: Hello, this is James Stencil, your host of the African-American Studies channel, the New Books Network. Hope everyone is doing great today. And I am featuring the author of Making Gullah, a history of Sapelo Islanders race and the American imagination on the podcast today. Her name is Melissa L. Cooper. The book is published by the University of North Carolina Press, Gotar Hills, and she is an assistant professor of history at Rutgers University, Newark. Had a great interview with Melissa. It was just like talking to a good friend. It's our first time meeting today, but, you know, we we both have some, uh, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina cultural heritage today. And if you're not from the East Coast or from the Southeast, you may not be familiar with the Geechee Gullah Nation, um, you know, it's, uh, the Georgia Sea Islands, Low Country, South Carolina. And you have people who are direct descendants of uh, African slaves that have a bit of an isolated community out there that, you know, really goes even today into the 21st century. So her book is talking about a history of particularly the uh, Sapelo Island, which is, uh, you know, an island area where you have uh, Gullah people on it. So I think you'll enjoy this interview. And she talks about and we both talk about some of the struggles of the Geechee Gullah people and uh, perceptions over time. So give it a listen and get in contact with uh, Melissa, particularly if you're a Geechee Gullah. She would love to hear from you or any people who read her book. So here we go, making Gullah a history of Sapelo Islanders race and the American imagination on the African American Studies channel of the New Books Network. Hello and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm your host James Stansel, the host of the African American Studies channel, and today I have the great pleasure of being here with the author of the University of North Carolina Press's Making Gullah: A History of Sapelo Islanders' Race and the american imagination the author is melissa l cooper she is an assistant professor of history at rutgers rutgers university newark i knew i was gonna mess it up because i was in new brunswick and you got newark so this is rutgers (laughs) university newark so hello miss melissa cooper how are you today Hello,
0: James. Thank you so much for having me.
1: It is my pleasure. It is my pleasure. And I have to give a shout out to your friend and mine, Joe, for connecting us. But Mm -hmm. I was so happy to see your book. You know, we mentioned offline a little bit that uh, I have visited uh, Savannah with my wife. We went down there for our anniversary and shout out to my good friend, A. Jamal Torre, who does the Day Clean Soul tours down in Savannah. And I learned all about the uh Gullah nation and so when i saw your book making Gullah, and you know also you know like many of us we saw daughters of the dust back in the uh 90s and i was like i've got to get melissa on the show because those who maybe aren't from the east coast or from the southeast maybe don't know as much about the uh Gullah culture right so thank you for uh being on the show today miss melissa l cooper (laughs) and so you are a, a scholar at the uh Rutgers University, Newark, but I think you told me previously about the University of South Carolina.
0: Yes, um, after I finished my PhD, I was at the University of South Carolina working with the Institute for Southern Studies there for three years, a fabulous. Institute um, uh, run by great people.
1: Ah, oh, outstanding, outstanding, and yeah, maybe maybe since we've kind of started down that road a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I know our listeners like to know about who the the scholars are a little bit that they're hearing on our podcast.
0: Well, I'm sort of new to the academy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm an assistant professor, but in my first career, I was a high school teacher. Oh, so me too. I, <laughs> I taught high school history for more than a decade, and it was a great experience. I loved working with the students mm-hmm. and really loved teaching kids academic skills through history. Absolutely. That's sort of what you do at that level, right? But mm-hmm. university level, um, you sort of get to teach history <laughs> and not <laughs> the academic skills through history or social studies. Right. So that that's my background. So I've been um an educator since I was twenty one, twenty two
1: years old. Just last year.
0: very kind Uh, (laughs) you are very kind uh,
1: absolutely and I wish you all could see Melissa L. Cooper here she's beautiful she's got the long hair there got the earrings she's got some of her art behind her there she's a a great artist so maybe you all if you go to her webpage there you know at Rutgers Newark you can see or maybe maybe I'll have to write a book on your art how about that Melissa Cooper
0: (laughs) That is fabulous. It was just something that I did to relieve, uh, you know, stress and sort of relax. So it's definitely a hobby. I appreciate you appreciating it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's the benefit of doing these Skype interviews. You can see kind of what's going on behind the folk. And she's got some great pictures back there. And I was like, Dr. Cooper, what is that? What's, what's that? Tell me, tell me all about it. But back to the subject at hand. That'll be a book for me in the future. I'll I'll have to get Doctor Cooper to interview me, interviewing her about her her art or, or something <laughs> like that. But um so you mentioned you were a high school teacher for a long time, and you know a lot of people do go into the, you know, myself included, go into the academy after after teaching in, in high school. Where did you teach? Was it in the north, in the south, or?
0: Yeah, it was actually a
1: school in um, New Jersey, a public school. Mm-hmm. Okay, well if you you can give them a shout out if you want, if you prefer to keep it uh clandestine, <laughs> we can.
0: No, no, no. Columbia High School was a great place, and I run into my former students and colleagues all the time, and they are very much happy that Making Gullah is now out, and um, especially for those people who knew me when it was still an idea that I was um,
1: tinkering around with and research that I was contemplating. That's all right. So those of you at Columbia High School, Dr. Cooper has made good. Uh, (laughs) So make sure that you 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 tell her that you heard her on the New Books Network, the African American Studies Channel, and we're here with the author Melissa L. Cooper. The book is from University of North Carolina Press, and it's called "Making Gullah: A History of Sapelo Islanders, Race, and the American Imagination." This is very important work for today's world because as we get further and further. Uh, Into the 21st century, there's a there's a lot more appreciation of people from diverse backgrounds and their histories and cultures. And we're not all the same, you know, monogamous uh, type folk. And, you know, well, we all didn't come immediately from Europe or, you know, we all didn't come on the Mayflower, as uh, as they used to say. So books like this are, you know, are, are very, very important. And on that note, Melissa, you know, why? You know, why did you uh, want to talk about this this topic? Why was it something that was interesting to you or something that you made a a research project?
0: Well, you know, um, to begin with, mm-hmm. the book was sort of born from my own family ties okay. to Sanfalo Island. Um, my mother's oh. family is from the island. So I grew up spending summers there. And so for most of my life, Sapelo Islanders were just family, you know, with okay. grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, cousins, um, et cetera. And as I got older, I noticed that um, Sapelo was featured in some books and mm-hmm. studies, And um, uh, I wanted to know more about why uh, outsiders had such an interest in the mm. folklore of black people. Folk on Sapelo, mm-hmm. especially you know um, when I became a history teacher. Of course, I always nurtured a deep love for history mm-hmm. and uncovering the past. I really was curious about the timing of these publications. Mm -hmm. They were largely um, researched in the 30s, maybe conceptualized in the 1920s, published in the late 30s, 40s. And I wanted to know um, at this moment, right, um, when segregation and Jim Crow is really complete in the South Mm -hmm. and um, black people's African ancestry was the assumed root of their inferiority, Mm. why all of a sudden do people want to know more about Blacks' African heritage? Mm -hmm. and Why is their African heritage imagined as something that is valuable that needs to be documented and it needs to be uh, examined and explored? Um, So those were some of the questions that brought me to the book project. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, over the course of about 10 years that I was <laughs> researching Ooh. and writing the book, um, what I found was really interesting, mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. especially because it, it, it really became clear to me that changes in the world of ideas mm-hmm. were responsible for changes in the way that people um, imagine the yes. value. Of black people's African heritage so that's really kind of like what I do in the book I chart these changes in the world of ideas and how these changes in the world of ideas influenced um, people who wanted to explore the um, African culture and roots of blacks in the low country
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's awesome and you know, I'm glad you mentioned the Low Country because that was one of the things I was going to ask you next, Melissa. is For those people who maybe aren't familiar with the Geechee Gullah Nation, you know, maybe we can talk about where is Sapelo Island, and you know, what does it mean to be a Geechee Gullah person?
0: Well, you know, so Sapelo is a case was my case study for um, you know a few reasons. One mm. of them, being the reason I just discussed, is that I had connections to the sure. island. Um, but what also became clear um, through research and spending more time with published material about Gullah Geechee folk is that, um, you know, that was a designation that was primarily reserved for blacks in the South Carolina Low Country, mm-hmm. right? blacks who lived along the coast, um, descendants of enslaved Africans and their American born children. Right. right? So. Sapelo is in Georgia, Mm -hmm. and um, so Georgia was sort of late to being included under this banner, this Gullah label. Mm -hmm. And so by looking at a Sapelo community, I was able to see more about how this identity had been constructed by outsiders and sort Uh of how outsiders imagined it, because these were communities that weren't before the 20s and 30s really um, thought of as, quote unquote, Gullah communities. So that's you know that's sort of the geographical landscape, right? right? Um, But in terms of what the identity means, Mm -hmm. I'm really working that out in the book. This is a history that looks at how that label, as it was applied to blacks on um, in coastal Georgia, how that label changed over time in terms of its meaning and value. Mm. So some of the white researchers and folklore collectors who um, visited and studied Blacks on Sapelo in coastal Georgia in the 20s and 30s, they did not necessarily have the the same sort of positive, um, you know, a view mm-hmm. of... The culture that people nereded. Um mm-hmm. their view was much more tied up in um, these real sort of like primitive ideas about these close to the earth, you know, isolated on islands. Folk, And that actually mm-hmm. had a lot to do with what was popular at the time, like mm-hmm. Jules and Peterkin's novels about mm-hmm. Gullah folk in South Carolina. Um, and in the book, I kind of traced so many of the different strands. Yes, you did. Made it very popular. Uh, so what they were looking for were, you know, blacks who living off on, you know, in the shadows of these. Old idyllic antebellum plantations maintain this quaint, exotic, strange African inspired culture and tradition. Mm -hmm. But that changes over time, right? Because in the wake of the Black Studies Movement, by the time that we are sort of as Black people reimagining our connection to Africa, what it means to be Gullah and Geechee and to have retained vestiges of your ancestors' culture changes dramatically. And that has everything to do with you know um, what we are thinking, what we know about Africa, how people are going back and re-understanding the history of the South, um, and even how people are going back and finding those 1920s and 30s studies that I write about right. the things that they imagine it. So all of that is sort of in the mix. So for black people, in what we know now as kind of Gullah Geechee districts in the 20s and <laughs> the 30s and the 40s to sort of be called Gullah or Geechee was, was not a compliment and it was not an identity that one would hold on to. In oh, particular, wow. yeah. In places like Sapelo, they didn't even call themselves Gullah. You know, this was a term as far as they're concerned that was, you know, sort of visited upon their communities by outsiders. Mm. Right. Wow. Um, and Geechee throughout the low country was, was used, It was a term that was sort of used as an insult, a way to sort of talk about people being um, backwards or uneducated.
1: Different. different,
0: Right. Right. Um, But so that changes, again, as the value of black people's African background and heritage change. Mm -hmm. So in the book, I really try to trace the popular and academic sources for this change in ideas. Mm-hmm. And chart it and map it and follow it. Um, because that's really what's at the heart of how we have come to understand the importance of African survivals.
1: Absolutely. And this is a, a great book. And this is a Melissa L. Cooper's book. It's called Making Gullah, A History of Sapelo Islanders, Race and the American Imagination. And it's published by the University of North Carolina Press which is a great press. I'm a little biased because I'm a UNC graduate, we won't <laughs> talk about that. But this is a uh, great press, and it's, uh, this book is a part of the John Hope Franklin, the legendary historian, the John Hope Franklin series in African-American heritage and culture. And, of course, Dr. Cooper here. Melissa L. Cooper is an assistant professor of history at Rutgers University, Newark. And if you didn't know, you're listening to the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel the African-American Studies channel. And we're talking about those Georgia Sea Islands, right? Low country, South Carolina. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you, maybe you had that low country boil, right? Is that what they call it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I love that growing up in North Carolina, that low country boil. And, you know, we're talking about those, those uh, people of African descent that live in those coastal regions. And they had their distinct culture, right? And so this book, Making Gullah. It's about their history. You just heard Melissa tell you, uh, you know, about how she traced how people were portrayed and how sometimes it wasn't necessarily always a positive to be considered a Gichigala person or a, a person from Sapelo Island. But now, as people have, have embraced more of their heritage and you have more pride in being a person of African descent, it's not something to be ashamed of. And, and in fact, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more, there's a lucrative industry. That has developed now in you know in touring some of the Georgia Sea Islands and the uh, uh, Low Country of South Carolina. And I was going to mention to you, Melissa, that one of my first introductions as a young black male in um, North Carolina to this culture, and I didn't even know what I was being introduced to, was the movie Conrack, mm-hmm. You know, and that- and the. the- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And the water is wide, you know, which is the book that it was based on, and, you know, and just like yourself, I was wanting to become an educator. So that was one of those few things where I get to see black kids in the classroom. Of course, that was, you know, the, you know, the white male there, John Voight in the in, in the in the movie. But I was like, well, you know, why are these these black kids looking this way and sounding this way? What, you know, and it was different than how people, you know, talk where I came from. And it was a lot like, like you said earlier, Melissa, I was like, well, what's wrong with these people? You know, as opposed to the fact that it was, you know, they were closer to perhaps uh, African heritage than maybe the rest of us were who did not live in a distinctive community like that.
0: And, you know, I mean, well, there's so much that we could could say (laughs) about that film. Um, I write about it a little bit in the book. I mean, we think of. Julie Dash's film is the quintessential film that we turn right. to to think about Gulliver.
1: Daughters of the Dust.
0: but, right. the dust. but Conroy's um, The Water is Wide, and then Conrad, the film um, mm-hmm. by Pat Conroy. By Pat Conroy, yeah. So that was actually sort of a little bit of a throwback in terms of the mm. way that it portrayed Gullah people because of the time that it was, it, it came out. Um, it, it felt more like the Julia Peterkin style of right. Southern sentimentality, imagining blacks to be backward and picturesque, you know? Um, and it, 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 it actually was, filmed in coastal Georgia, which is (laughs) despite the fact Mm -hmm. that it's supposed to depict a a coastal South Carolina Mm -hmm. community. But what it did was it sort of played back for the nation some of the older primitivist ideas about um, black people, who lived along the coast on barrier islands in particular, the idea that, you know, that they're isolated and they're separate and far away from modernity um, and of necessity, these folks are backward. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when one looks closely at history, right. And there's a, a great anthropologist, J. Laura Matori, who really mm-hmm. challenges folks to think differently about this idea of isolation. When you look back in the history, especially of folks on Sapelo, you know, there's an entirely different story that unfolds about um, who they were and how they understood themselves and their communities, going Mm -hmm. all the way back to the Civil War era, you know, going back to the early days after the Civil War, when the island was a part of Tunis Campbell's. Um, you know, land redistribution plan, sort of black power enclave on the coast. You know, blacks got together, they purchased land, they refused to um, sharecropper, sign unfavorable contracts, and they demanded their pay in advance, and they built schools and churches. So these were the things that were important. What I found was in the 20s and 30s that Primitivist sentimental gaze from the other onto blacks mm. who lived in these areas, you know, brought to their worlds all sorts of things um that were not necessarily important in their descriptions of them. Right? Mm. Roots, voodoo, kanja, and this stuff was all about what was popular in um American culture at the time.
1: At the time, right.
0: So There's a way that we have to go back and think about the people who first researched and wrote and created and told stories about Gullah Geechee folk and what their imagination is sort of bringing to the landscape, right? Just like Conroy, what was his imagination bringing to the landscape? That's mm. what we tried to do in the book because that's a really important part of the Gullah story. The fact that blacks retained vestiges of their African ancestors' traditions is undeniable. How Absolutely. we imagined those traditions, how we understood them and their value is altogether different. Right. Mm. We only need to look at um, Lorenzo Dow Turner's work to see this. And I write mm. this also in the book. You know, Turner is the only black researcher at the time who's investigating um, the African roots of black low country folks culture. Um, mm-hmm. And he's working through as much of a complicated racial imaginary as are the white collectors but for for him you know his project and mission was one that was designed to overturn prevalent ideas about black people's inferiority right because the Mm. dialect, everyone who wrote about it before him suggested that well this dialect is is just baby talk this is what you get when you Mm. have you know inherently primitive ignorant Blacks, and you have white slave masters who were trying to communicate with them, and what resulted is just this, you know, sort of corruption of the English language. So for Turner, his mission was, no, 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 I want to actually, you know, I know that this comes from somewhere else, and this is not just um, sort of the byproduct of Black inferiority. And so Mm. he really methodically evaluated and studied the language. But so let's think about it. Right. So he's researching to engage a bigger debate about race and inheritance. Mm -hmm. And so his work with the Gullah was really a work that was about refuting ideas about black inferiority. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in that way, I'm looking at all of the researchers and writers who descended on Sapelo and or imagined Gullah folk throughout Mm -hmm. time, and I'm looking at what they brought to the table in terms of what drove their interest, what um, inspired their research, and what kinds of ideas were populating their imaginations, right? Right. So like for even for Turner, he's a part of this new Negro intelligentsia Mm -hmm. moment that was all about reclaiming the black past and about recasting the black past. Um, whereas some of the white researchers were um, at times interested in being a part of that project of reclaiming the black past. But Hunting African Survivals was was um a, was a, a sort of a project that was about um, highlighting how odd the negro quote unquote was mm. as opposed mm. to this this rare type of negro exotic negro as opposed to really engaging bigger questions about race like turner was right and one of the ways that you see this is that they're making all of these observations about what they imagine to be black folk life but nowhere in their observations are they considering factors like Racism, Jim Crow, Mm. the economic realities, they're blind to all of those things because they sort of had a singular impression about African culture and these kind of like biological connections between black folk and their African ancestors and their superstitions, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So those are some of the things that I try to work out in the piece.
1: All right. And you do a great job at it. And and that piece that Melissa Cooper is talking about is Making Gullah, A History of Sapelo Islanders, Race and the American Imagination. It's a book published by UNC Press. And Melissa Cooper is a professor at Rutgers University, Newark. She's an assistant professor of history. And as you heard her say before, she was a longtime high school teacher. So shout out to those K-12 <laughs> high school teachers as well. From from both of us, I was world history. It sounds like you maybe were American history. Yes, I was. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, we we definitely love our K twelve folk, even though we're not there right now. You know, we we both started there, and, and you know that's 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 really where you kind of learn. Like you, you know, you said, uh, Melissa, where we help teach the young po folks how to become historians i used to call mine junior historians where they learn those skills and talents so by the time they get to you at rutgers <laughs> they know a little bit more about uh what's what's going on right absolutely and we're on the new books network i'm your host james Stansel, and um, this is the african-american studies channel and again the book is making Gullah: a history of Sapelo islanders race and the american imagination and Melissa, we, you talked about this a little bit. You said it was a ten year process, but can you maybe just talk to the audience just a little bit more about what steps or what methods research methods as we say you know did you uh trying to keep from saying that, but you know mm-hmm. that you go that you went through to um, um complete this research project?
0: well, so the book is an intellectual and cultural history, so the intellectual mm-hmm. side. Um, gives you a good head start on research because you're looking at published works. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, that's where I started with all of the published works that featured mm-hmm. violence, right. you know, in bits, in parts, whatever it was. I started looking at those materials um, and I moved. And fanned out from there to try to figure out sort of what other ideas were circulating in the academy that mm-hmm. were influential. So that led me to an entire cast of social scientists and looking at their papers and looking at the letters exchanged between Sapelo researchers, mm. folks in the academy, so there was a lot of, you know, because when you start talking about the world of imagination, you know, uh, there are people who perhaps would challenge, well, how do you know what folks were thinking? So I had a really hard task, right? <laughs> I had a big task in front of me where I had to connect what was written to, you know, what ultimately was published to what was right. on in the world of ideas. So I found um, lots of archives to be really helpful, in particular mm-hmm. in keeping these letters. Uh, you know, Lydia Parrish's exchanges with Melva Herskovitz's that are at the archive in Northwestern, and mm-hmm. Melva Herskovitz's exchanges with Mary Granger and um, Lorenzo Dow Turner and his field notes, and mm. um, the National Geographic archive um, for uh, the, uh, that had some papers and. Um, documents uh, on the career of W. Robert Moore, who Mm. introduced Sapelo Islanders to the nation in National Geographic magazine during the 30s. Um, So I did a lot of the traditional archival research, Mm -hmm. both for the researchers and um, the academic ideas that were floating around, but also um, to try to figure out what was going on in the larger cultural landscape. I'm looking at newspapers and films in the 30s because I wanted to know, like, what are the popular conversations about African survivals? What do they look like? And, you know, what I turned up was a lot of voodoo and roots and conjure films and these
1: white zombie and all that kind of
0: stuff. All that stuff. So I had to pull that up. Um, And so I, I followed that basic methodology throughout the book in terms of dealing with the world of ideas but I also, because it was so important to me to capture the voices of the people who had been um, studied and mm-hmm. examined by these researchers and imagined by these writers, I collected oral history interviews, too, Okay. with Sapelo Islanders who were either featured in and or their parents were featured in
1: these okay.
0: works. Um, so those oral history interviews were really, really important and helpful in um, helping me to create a a much more intricate, nuanced view of what this identity making process was really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also looked to some great repositories. Uh, the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor has a mm-hmm. full repository of. Um, minutes from meetings that they wow. had with people in the community as they were creating the corridor so this was another especially in the later the last chapter of the book mm-hmm. this was another you know um repository that was just really helpful in um giving me the ability to give voice to the people mm-hmm. who have so often been the object of fascination um and so those were some of the approaches that I took to researching um, and strategizing the book.
1: Ah, Well, yeah, thank you for sharing. And, you know, we talked about this offline. It's, it's so important, you know, for young people or people who are interested in doing, you know, family research or, you know, becoming academics or doing professional scholarship to kind of understand what those steps are. And it's not easy. You know, it's not just a one month and then you got a book. Right. You know, you heard, <laughs> as you heard Dr. Cooper say earlier, this was like a, a ten-year process, and this was something that was near and dear to her heart that kept her motivated. Uh, you know, uh, to, you know, to produce this this great work that that we have here, which is you know, you know, is an important work for people who are uh, Gullah Geechee, or you know, people who are interested in in that field. And so the book is called again, it's Making Gullah: A History of Sapelo Islanders' Race and the American imagination. You know, and I would just add to what uh, Melissa said there, you know, she she talked about doing oral histories. And, you know, if you heard me mention this on my podcast before, you young folk, uh, you, everybody's got a a cell phone for the most part now, a smartphone, it's got a tape recorder on it. So get out and record grandma <laughs> or, uh, or aunt or Miss Minnie in the neighborhood or, you know, the, the Kool-Aid lady or the candy lady or, you know, all the people in the neighborhood who maybe have stories and ask them about things from their past. Because maybe you know, no one's asked them before, and once they're gone, they're gone. You know, and if there's no written records or anything, you know, you know, we're losing our history every year. And though people may think it's not very important now, you may want to become a Dr. Cooper one day. You know, or you you may want to study like she's studying her history and heritage. You may want to study Fifth Ward, Houston, or you know, uh, somewhere out in L.A. or Southside Chicago, or you know, wherever the case may be. And if all the people who lived during some of these times are gone, and there's no recordings, you know, you know, it could be some some lost history there. So think about that. You don't have to be a PhD scholar necessarily, though. We want you all to get as much education as you can. But you grab that cell phone and you ask grandma at Christmas time, or Mother's Day, or Fourth of July, or whatever. Turn that that phone on and and talk with them, and write some of those things down, and record those histories. It's very important for our, our history and our heritage because if there weren't folk like Melissa Cooper out there. Uh, Doing this research, you know, and and you, too, as a person listening to this podcast, you know, we could lose a lot of our history and our our heritage that we had to fight very hard for people to respect and for us to be able to tell our stories. Our stories have been told enough by other people. We want to tell our stories now. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm stepping off of that. uh,
0: (laughs) No, it's wonderful. I'm glad that you said that. So many of the people that I interviewed for the book are no longer here.
1: Right, you heard what Melissa just said. Some of them are 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 gone, but you know we now have their their histories either orally or in transcript form. You know it's very important. I spend a lot of time <laughs> working on my PhD uh, transcribing uh, interviews, and sometimes you know, oh, why do you why do you have to do this stuff? But you know, the older I get, the more important that I realize those kinds of things are. Um, but you know, I, I won't you know dwell on that too much more. But we're here on. Uh, the New Books Network, the African American Studies Channel. The book is Making Gullah, A History of Cephalo Islanders' Race and the American Imagination. And we talked a little bit about people who maybe aren't familiar with this culture and, and, and this region about books or maybe movies that they're familiar with. I mentioned The Water is Why, Pat Conroy, and the book Conrack with John Voigt. You mentioned Daughters of the Dust, Julie Dash, right? Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to you, Geechee <laughs> <laughs> Dan from that <laughs> Let's let's do it again, or a uh, piece of the action. Whatever it was Bill Cosby and Sydney Portier. There was that character Gucci Dan, who was one of the villains in, in there, and uh, you know. So you, you you may be familiar with the, what was it Gullah Gullah Island, the children's show, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, it was a
0: history making. It was the first black family featured in a children's sort of sing along show, and it was right. nominated for a daytime Emmy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's yeah, same same culture. That's so we talk about Geechee Gullah Gullah Geechee. We talk about the same people. Sapelo, which is Doctor Cooper's heritage. And I mentioned to you offline. You know, I, I visited a pinpoint museum. I think it's in Montgomery, South Carolina, outside of Savannah. Mm-hmm. And the most famous resident from there lived there was uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. And so, if you go visit that pinpoint area there, which is just across the bridge from. Uh, Savannah. There's a nice museum there. And I think there was like a a cannery or something for fish or some type of uh, seafood there that the people who lived in that village were engaged in. So they preserved a lot of those things there. And I learned a lot about, you know, the culture I'm visiting there and um, also going on the tour with my friend, Dr. Jamal Touré, who's a professor at Savannah State University. Uh, He does his uh, day clean tours and he talks about the black history of Savannah. So that was, you know, my official introduction. Though I mentioned earlier that I had my unofficial introduction with uh, <laughs> Conrack as a, <laughs> as a young child uh, when it came on television. And so, Doctor Cooper, I, I did want to ask you about this too. You know, we're talking about popular cultural connections with uh, Sappalo Islanders and Gucci uh, You know, people may have seen that Vice piece mm. where my friend Doctor Touré was was featured in. And you know, the cultures have been endangered. Uh, you know, and you know, we notice some like Hilton Head Island. You may want to you know talk about that a little bit, but some of the areas that are traditionally Geechee Gullah areas are, are they're, they're losing, they're becoming smaller, and a lot of the family lands and, and such are uh, are being lost. Can you just share a little bit of information about that with us?
0: Well, certainly, um, most Black communities in the Low Country are facing some really. Um, horrific challenges to their continued um, survival in terms of people being able to keep land, land that okay. has been in their family for generations, some families stretching all the way back to the civil war. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do think is interesting is that the idea of these communities being endangered and near extinct is something I write about in the book mm-hmm. because um it's a long standing fear, right? So when 2030s researchers were justifying, even Turner, just trying to justify funding, access to funding for research. Or when people were describing these communities, you know, right. it, they were always described as communities that will soon vanish away because sophistication was going to come to the people. Mm-hmm. And they were no longer going to have the dialect or technology was going to make it easier for them to uh, travel back and forth to the mainland. And their culture would be diluted by contact with mainlanders, um, you know, and of course, like I said before, a lot of that was predicated on the myth that these people were literally like isolated, right? Mm -hmm. That things that were going on in the mainland did not affect them and they had no interaction with and or knowledge of. Um, But that piece, that piece aside, what I think is um, disturbing about that myth, that early myth from the twenties and thirties, this myth, Mm -hmm. the myth of isolation, the idea that they're just, you know, stranded and disconnected was that it, functioned as a blinder so that people could not see the way that larger forces were affecting um, low country blacks' actual mm. lives, like Jim Crow discrimination, um, political disenfranchisement, ex- racism, etc. And those same forces that people could not see then are the very forces that are still working in their communities now. So what we're seeing in terms of land dispossession um, has such interesting roots in this older history of discrimination, disenfranchisement, um, disproportionate economic opportunities for blacks Mm -hmm. in America. And so I do find that really telling that the things that the early researchers did not want to see about Gullah communities Are the very realities that have in some ways they're their own sort of survival right these Mm. these these problems have had they are a sort of survival and they're rearing their heads in a really interesting way now Um, Mm. you know during the Great Migration these communities took you know their first groups of hits (laughs) in the interwar years in terms of populations and numbers Um, they had been fighting for land since the Reconstruction era, like most of these communities are Reconstruction era communities. So this land fight that we see playing out now on uh, web documentaries like the Vice documentary is so old. It is black Americans fight for economic, mm-hmm. racial, political equality, access, etc. And it's, it's playing out. So today what it looks like, it doesn't look exactly the way that it did when it was land fight in post-Reconstruction South. Mm-hmm. What it looks like today is tax hikes and coastal development and right. approaching resorts and you know <laughs> heirs' property crisis and this all of these things. It has a different sort of presentation, but it's a much older phenomenon. So, you know, I always tell people who are looking for survivals, why don't we look for some survivals of racism and economic um, disproportionate, you know, uh, disadvantage in America?
1: Absolutely. And here we are 100 years later, people were saying that the community is going to die. It's still there.
0: It's still there. It's still there. But literally, um, I think that the contemporary land fight. raises a really powerful question for people Mm -hmm. to consider, Um, especially when you hear the voices of blacks who live in the low country talk about their relationship to their land and their history Mm -hmm. and their past. And the question that it raises is these are populations that we celebrate because they are connected to their African ancestors and they're connected to their ancestors' slave roots, right? Mm-hmm. But what do we owe them if that's mm-hmm. the case? And I think, hmm. I think that's the question. That's the question that comes out when people, when you read the reports um, in the epilogue and in the final chapter of the book, I've right, right. with this a little bit. You read a lot of the reports, and every report that tells you the Gullah folk are vanishing. They also somewhere in the article um, tell you that they have this unique culture and it had everything to do with their enslaved ancestors. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a direct line between those those uh, slaves and former slaves to, you know, the Sapelo Gichigula. So when people talk about reparations and, you know, well, who are we going to give the reparations to? Well, I can I can tell you some people that you could give them to. <laughs> There's a there's a direct line. I mean, there is no question about the fact that, you know, Gitche you know, people from the Georgia Sea Islands, South Carolina Low Country are as direct a descendant as you can imagine. Right. So I understand exactly <laughs> where, where you're going with that. <laughs> I understand exactly where you're going with that, Dr. Cooper. And I got it in the book as, as well. So if people are looking for a place, you know, you know, we gave uh, Japanese internment, you know, d- descendants, you know, and, you know, people, camp folk, they, they got their uh, reparations. You can certainly look at Geechee Gullah Nation as a place to go. You know, if you want to say, hey, well, maybe other people, you know, they're not, you know, direct descendants or whatever. No, these people who are direct descendants and unfortunately paid the price in many ways because they did keep and continue that culture. You know, many people don't know about Hilton Head Island, a great place that people like to go. That was actually, you know, an a area that was controlled by, uh, people from the Gitche Gullah nation you know that was kind of taken over so when we talk about the land that has been lost and there's more and more of that land that's be, that's being lost um you know and and it's a concern so I definitely after you read making Gullah by melissa l cooper then you can go watch that vice documentary or read some of those other things or some of some of her other works maybe as as well which you know i don't want to keep you all day melissa we could talk all day about some of <laughs> some of these issues and your art and and uh, some of that good food when you were working at the University of South Carolina, I know you were eating. <laughs> Certainly, but we'll, but we'll have to we'll have to do a little bit of that offline. I know you're getting your summer started. And your kids are going to be here before too long, so I don't want to uh, ho- hold you up from getting that dinner started or whatever y'all going to do tonight. Um, but I did want to give you a chance too. And again, we're here with uh, Gullah, the author of Gullah, A History of Sapelo Islanders, Race, and the American Imagination, Melissa L. Cooper. An outstanding assistant professor of history at Rutgers University, Newark. But I want to give you a chance, um, you know, maybe before we go to talk about some of your other work on uh, mm-hmm. any future projects you want to share or, or, or things that you're working on or places where the audience can find you. I'm
0: trying to take a break, but um, I told myself <laughs> I'm going to take six months and absolutely not make myself crazy about working on anything. But, of course,
1: I've already it never worked
0: researching um, uh, my next project and because I, I sustain an interest between what's going on in the academy and what that looks like, how it plays out in the ground, which is really clear in oh, yeah. um Making Gullah, um, I think I'll be pursuing that question around Afrocentrism for my next project. Okay. So um, yeah, but, you know, I'm, small projects here and there. I'm working on an op-ed now, which really, I think, um, raises some questions about exactly what you just mentioned. You said the mm-hmm. relationship between the vacation destinations and, um, you know, uh, what what has happening or what had to happen in order for those places to be. Um, right. Like Hilton Heads, et cetera. Small projects here and there. Um but that's that's all I have for now. I wrote a little bit m- about uh the voodoo craze and mm. the um retail side of the uh voodoo craze in the, of the 20s and 30s an anthology um titled A Race in Retail. It was a great um okay. book and I, it included so many wonderful scholars. And their formulations around race and retail. So I encourage people to look at that.
1: But that's all. And, and it's called. It's
0: called race and retail.
1: Race and retail. OK. Yeah. We'll have to <laughs> yeah. definitely look. I like that. Yeah. title.
0: I um, would encourage anybody, though, who wants to kind of keep up with what I am doing um, or thinking about to follow me on Twitter. Um, my handle is Historian <laughs> Cooper. It's a great way to contact. All right.
1: Me. <laughs> Historian Cooper. <laughs> Look up Melissa Cooper on Twitter. And um, I guess they could also find you on your university Absolutely. page. Or, you
0: Absolutely.
1: Know, for this, us old-timers <laughs> that still use email and,
0: yeah, and, and things too. like that. <laughs>
1: right. So, yeah, I guess you, would you be interested in hearing with from people who have Geechee Gullah I would
0: love to hear from people. And um, I definitely want to hear from folks who read the book. I want to know what they – think about it, Uh, you know, that's something that I'm looking forward to. I worked really hard and one of my mentors laughed at me. She says, oh, everyone says they did this. But I worked really hard to write the book in a way so that everyone could enjoy it. People inside the academy and outside of the academy, people, everybody could pick it up and sort of um, travel this historical road with me. So because that was my mission, and I spent a lot of time trying to do that. I would love to hear from people who read the book.
1: Absolutely. So please email Melissa, Melissa Cooper, or hit her up on Twitter, right? Historian Cooper. <laughs> yeah. it's, her, 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 it's her handle on Twitter, and we're, we're going to talk some more, Melissa, because I'm going to get you to Houston mm-hmm. and talk to some of my folk in Houston uh, you know, and share Uh, Some of your stories, you know, we have the Juneteenth thing down here in Houston, you know, Uh, you know, Houston area, Galveston. That's that's our you know, our big thing, our connection to the, uh, uh, you know, to 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 the past. And so, uh, you know, and then, you know, we've got a lot of people with uh, Creole, uh, you know, of of Creole culture uh, here in Houston area. You know, we're very close to New Orleans and all that. So we've got our kind of a different kind of vibe there that is very similar to the Geechee Gullah which you have um, out there on the East Coast where I'm from and, and, and where you're from. So that's awesome. And, and, again, the book is Making Gullah, A History of Sapelo Islanders' Race and the American Imagination. The University of North Carolina Press published the book. Melissa Cooper is the author and assistant professor of history at Rutgers University. And, and before we go, I don't want to keep you all day, but the cover, mm-hmm. you know, I want to talk about the cover. too? Can you just say a couple words about the cover? The cover
0: is actually a photograph um, taken of black folk on Sapelo Island uh, around Mm -hmm. what was at the time Coffin's Mansion on Christmas. Mm -hmm. So um, I I had to have that for the cover of (laughs) And I wanted them to make it a wraparound, and they did manage to wrap it around the back a little bit, but um, it shaded out a bit. I I wanted to have that because uh, the photo, although it's not um, clear enough for you to see every detail of people's faces, it was such Mm -hmm. a wonderful metaphor for um, sort of the way that the people and their identity was sort of obscured by this outside gaze that you kind of Also get from the camera um, lens so it's one of my favorite pictures um, from the era that just preceded the big explosion and introduction of Sapelo folk to the world yeah Um, and and the Marine Institute at the University of Georgia on the island they were so gracious in helping me to get a perfect scan of the photo so that it featured on the cover of the book yeah
1: all right. So shout out to the University of Georgia Marine Institute. You did good. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a, a great cover and it definitely, you know, draws your attention to the work and it makes you wonder, you know, it reminds me a lot of like Daughters in the Dust, you know, we we talked about that that whole, you know, time period and, you know, what's kind of going on there. So again, thank you so thank much you Melissa, for Kuba, having for me. Some,
0: thank you so much James for having me.
1: It's, it's my pleasure and you know it was a great conversation I learned so much more and actually to have a Geechee Gullah person <laughs> to teach me some some things. I'm about to introduce you to my friend Jamal Torre. <laughs> so Dr. Torre Dr. you're gonna be hearing from me pretty soon. I'm gonna introduce you to Dr. Cooper here so y'all can kind of get connected and so we're gonna let Dr. Cooper uh, continue on with her day so thank you everyone for listening this is the African American Studies Channel on the New Books Network, and one more time, the book is Making Gullah. Go out and pick it up. Learn about a chapter of African American history and culture you may not be as familiar with if you're not from the southeastern part of the United States. Great history, and this is a, a great book. And Melissa Cooper is the author, University of North Carolina Press. And please tell everybody goodbye for me, Melissa. Bye.
0: Thank you so much, and keep
1: listening. This is a great show. <laughs> Absolutely, and so we'll see you next time on the African American Studies Channel. Of the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stancil. Peace and love, everyone. Okay, we are back here on the New Books Network, the African American Studies channel. I'm your host, James Stansel. That was a great interview there with uh, the author of Making Gullah A History of Sapelo Islanders' Race and the American Imagination, Melissa L. Cooper, out of Rutgers University, Newark. I hope you enjoyed that interview we had a a great time we didn't get a chance to talk about any food now you know there's some great food down there in south carolina and my home state of north carolina as well but we did talk a lot about the uh culture of the Gullah people in south carolina and the georgia sea islands low country south carolina and the georgia sea islands this is a great book and it's a great history and so i definitely uh recommend it and if you want to get in contact with Dr. Cooper, Melissa Cooper. Historian Cooper, that's her handle on Twitter. And she's also on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and pretty much any other uh, social media thing. And she loves to hear from people who, who have read her book. So definitely get in contact with her. And uh, this is a great book, it's a great subject and she's a, a great historian and scholar. And she's actually a Geechee Gullah person herself from Sapelo Island. So it was all the more special for her to complete this work. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. I certainly did. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time on the African-American Studies channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel. Peace and love.